Randall Banter, Larry and Duff, live, well, not live, pre-recorded <laughs> from it's, Odessa. It's live for us right now. Yeah, it's live for us. Second recording of the day, Duff cooked us some burgers, a few beers. Yep, hanging out on the pool deck. Yeah, poolside. Uh, About to break into the second cigar. Yeah, another cigar. It's been a good day, man. It's been a fun day. Cheers to health. Cheers but, to New Year's yeah, resolutions. <laughs> Speaking of New Year's yeah. resolutions, we were, uh, was it the New Year's episode or Christmas episode? Um, Megan and I had asked for you guys to give us five country songs each that you thought would help us break into country music to become fans. Because we really don't, it's not a go-to, we don't have it on any playlist. So where to start when you're like, oh, I kind of want to check it out. I want to I want to see if it's something I might get, be able to get into, just something different. Yeah. I never thought I would get into it. I was always. You don't seem like a guy. I didn't yeah. really even know you were going down that road until you know not too long ago. And, and I'm like completely fifty fifty when it comes to country music. So there's certain ones that I'm really a fan of, and there's certain ones that I will flip the radio off right away. I not, have not, several of those. I, I won't. Not, I won't flip <laughs> the middle finger off. I will just change the station. But right. But there's there's a lot of country songs that I've heard that yeah just. I know from listening that that's, that's not something that I would be into. But there's also country songs. We were actually just looking, listening to that Chicken Fried by, uh, who's that, Zach Brown Band? Yep. That's a song that's I've a very heard several times. One, yes. Yeah, a yep. lot of people have heard it. That's very probably uh, mainstream and kind of maybe borderline country. You know, it's a, it's a song that I, I have no problem with. I like it. It's fine. Anytime I've heard it, it's not something that I want to run to the radio and, and turn off. So yeah, um, yeah, Larry had asked that, and uh, I think Joanna and I went to the you know the drawing pad, just trying to get a few over to Larry. And actually, um, Megan's sister also provided a few yep. uh, to help. Um, my thought is maybe to start with those first four that um, Amanda provided because they were all in Chicken Fried from Zach Brown was one of them. So yeah, yeah, one that everybody's heard. Yeah, those are all. They were all Zach Brown band. Yeah. Homegrown, I remember being another one. If anybody yeah. watches College Game Day, uh, they play it a lot of time. Um, right at the, I think it's right at the beginning of that show. Um, so it's pretty, pretty good song, but pretty well known as well. And, and Larry, like you it, mentioned, they, they were they're borderline country, really. Yeah. And I've never seen Zach Brown live, but from everybody who I've heard from who's seen him, he puts on an amazing show. He plays a good amount of covers all across different genres too. Mm. So like he. He just kills it at shows. Right. Um, so that's why he's probably a good stepping stone in the country because, you know, he's not just solid country. And actually, again, right before this episode, I played one for Larry. Like, I tried to give Larry songs that were country in nature for the most part. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Zach Brown bridges different genre. And he's got a song called Heavy is the Head with Chris Cornell. And uh, I know Megan likes Chris Cornell, and I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, for sure. So I played that song for Larry, and, you know, it's not really a country song. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. It was was very rock and roll. It shows, you know, his range Mm -hmm. as an artist uh, for Zach Brown. So I don't know if it's one of his more well-known ones. I found it pretty early because of Cornell, but, uh, yeah, that actually is a pretty solid song. You know, and going through some of those Zach Brown band ones, I mean, she's right. They're all very middle of the road, very kind of country, kind of rock, kind of pop. Nothing that jumps in a certain direction. So if you are looking to get into country, fine. Yeah, it's not a bad starting spot. And there's a big difference between country now. Right. You know, and country, you know, the Johnny Cash of the world going way back into the 50s and 60s, which, you know, actually until I saw Walk the Line, I really didn't know any of Johnny Cash's songs other than Ring of Fire, but mm. I kind of got into him after watching that that movie and just going, all right, yeah, he's, he's a talented guy and, and you know, he's yeah. got some great songs. And so, You guys are definitely into the, I mean, Spotify had a playlist called Hot Country, and that was a lot of the type of stuff that you guys had suggested. So it's, it's yep. new hot country. <laughs> yep. You know, so you guys are... Uh, you know, kids but again, there's the certain country, there's uh, certain artists that I will flip the radio off right away on. So, any you want to name? <laughs> yeah, start some start some podcast wars. Uh, no, I'm really not a huge fan of Luke Bryan. Okay, that's all. He's got a few good songs, but uh, you know, he has a few stinkers too. So, I've heard a couple uh, Blake Shelton ones that I'm okay with. 
Because yeah. he's normally talking about beer and pickup trucks and girls. and. Yeah, that's 99% <clears throat> of songs, yeah. Yeah, that's most of country. It was actually tough. I, I spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks trying to pick out songs because that is quite the responsibility when a friend asks you, you know, hey, pick some songs that I'd like. And you're like, all right, well, is he going to make fun of me for telling him this song? Is he going to? So, And then it, you start looking at it, and with country songs, there's a lot of there's a lot of boozing in them. So, like, every song has some that, of Joanna's beer and, Bears and Sunshine. Yeah, beer, a lot. Bear can't, bear can't fix everything or something like that. A lot so, of Joanna's recommendations. Whiskey. Had to do with drinking. Yeah, whiskey on you. Or whatever, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was... Um, was that in your thought process when you're, like, going through, like, okay, so I got five songs. Four of them are about drinking. I don't want him to think I'm an alcoholic. So let me change out a couple. Was that part of your thought process? I mean, I tried to mix it up a little bit, but, yeah, the mm. first... First four or five were all all about alcohol, and I'm like, all right, let me let me sprinkle in a truck in there, <laughs> the truck and a broken heart. I will say, out of out of the ones I listened to, um, you know, Hardy was probably my favorite of the ones I listened to. I'm not trying to pander to you two, but sucking up the JoJo. <clears throat> um, was it Morgan Wallen? Morgan Wallen? Yep, Morgan Wallen. Yep. So he he had like a, to me a, a kid rock kind of. Uh, down. It almost sounds like he's like, you know, one missed break away from homelessness. <laughs> you know, he he yeah. sounds clean, but then when he gets down there, it's almost like a little rough. Yep. Sometimes you need those stories to be a. Successful musician. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's no, because that's a lot of comedians too. When you look at that, they get down and the depths of despair, they finally break through. Yeah. I love hearing those horror stories on comedians too, like where they had to start hell gigs. You know, when you go play clubs where you have to stay, some of them will put you in this shitty condo or something like that. That's (laughs) in the. With six other people and two homeless guys. No, it hasn't been clean in a year. Right. They pay you in uh, a chicken tender meal. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy to hear, yeah. If they're taking ten dollars just to get up, up get up there on stage and talk in front of ten people. You know? And then bring your shows, or if you don't bring anybody, you don't get paid. So <laughs> I think that's gonna be the second half of the show, right? I don't <laughs> so think gonna... uh, yeah, the, like we had talked about this with, with Boza when he was on, and like musicians at least coming up early on when you're you know, a band that really no one's ever heard of and you're trying to kind of make your way and do do like live shows how you get paid on that and the, the, the oddities of that. And we don't have to go into that. You can go back and listen mm-hmm. to episode five, I think it was. But there's not a big difference between bands booking early shows mm-hmm. at venues and how they attempt to get paid and get what they yep. get paid in versus different kinds of art. It's all about the hustle, too. Like, you got to you gotta keep on going. You got to keep on playing those hell gigs. You got to grit through it. And with comedians, you know, you hear a lot of stories about people sleeping on couches, you know, like this is, this is my only option. You know, so you basically have to be a college kid until you make it. One thing about these country songs though, there's nothing so far that I've heard that like, I don't know. It's just, it's not like, Oh, that's awesome. So far. And I'm not just saying the song in general, but just parts, you know, there are things like a good guitar riff in a rock song or catchy lyric in a punk song or a good hook in a whatever, you know, the, yeah. I don't know. haven't found that yet, but. Well, you, don't, mean, you don't drive a truck. Yeah. You don't go hunting. Right. <laughs> you don't go fishing. Am I relating? <laughs> eh, there's a lot about drinking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're usually talking about drinking moonshine and, and bush light. Right. So. so yeah, I guess in a previous life, Larry, you were booking comedy shows, and it goes way back. And how, how far back are we talking here that you, you had started those? <clears throat> we, did a, a, <laughs> we did a roast of our buddy Q, who's on the podcast a while back, and that was uh, 2012-ish. Was that your first comedy show in parentheses, that you booked a big crowd at a venue? And Yeah, in terms was of a 100 people, right? Yeah, I don't know how many people. There was a lot of people there. I remember we were like, let's just, let's charge five bucks a ticket because we rented couches and stuff for the roast and we were renting the hall. And so we were like, let's just charge five bucks a head, get our money back from having rent a center, deliver this furniture, the hall, and just get kind of get our money out of that. So it's like kind of a break-even situation and maybe we get lucky and everybody gets a couple beers out of it. That's roasting. And yeah, next thing we know, we've like, we had like $250, $300 in like extra money. We're like, oh shit. We like profited on this. 
So we just bought a bunch of beer, and that was kind of our first. I was in uh, Massachusetts, uh, Halligan's in Auburn. That was like a, kind of how it started. And Justin Smith was one of the roasters with me, and I went to high school with him, always been good friends. He's like the, just the nicest kid, like never really has. I mean, he, he's got his opinions on things, but he's just not a mean-spirited person. He's a, he's a really good dude. And so we were talking, I think it was after it, we were just kind of sitting there in the chairs, and he's like, man, he's like, there's a business here. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of, they had done comedy at Halligan's for a while, on and off. And from my understanding, there wasn't comedy there anymore. And I was just like, you know, maybe we talk to, you know, the owner and just see if maybe we could try booking a comedy show or two. And he was cool with the idea. So we started kicking it around, yeah. kicking it around and, you know, coming up with ideas. And at that time, I knew very little about the local comedy scene. I knew like the Boston big guys like Lenny Clark and Steve Sweeney and all that. And then I knew, you know, national acts that you're never going to get at a small venue like Halligan's. I did some research and I'm looking around and looking online and joining Facebook groups and things like that. And so we started like a business page, you know, so people knew if we're like friend requesting comedians that they would look at our page and it would say comedy Mm -hmm. promoter. Every single one of them would Except they all did, yep. and they all would then email us saying, you know, where are you booking? Do you have any open gigs I can do? Like, immediately. And we're just like, oh, no. And as more and more people started, you know, messaging us, we started, like, looking at their friends list and seeing what posts they were doing. And, you know, comics usually are posting flyers of their shows and things like that. So we would start looking at that, seeing who was headlining, start looking those names up on YouTube and things like that. And that's kind of how it was like, okay, well, I think that guy's really funny. I would, I would pay to see that guy. I would, this guy's a, he's not a headliner. He's like a middler. I didn't know the terms at that time. So we started, I started making a list really. And, you know, I would talk with Justin kind of like, how can we go about this? I found, you know, six or eight really good headliners and a bunch of people that I guess would not, they're not headliners, but they do a lot of shows. So I started kind of researching and, you know, learn the terms headliner and middle act and guest and feature and host and all these terms. And then we started like putting a structure of a show together. Well, this is what club shows do where it's like a headliner, two features, a host or a guest spot, a feature, a headliner and host. And big names would just be the big name and an opening act or two opening acts. And, you know, learned all about that. Once we kind of got there, Justin had a great idea of like... So these headliners are really, really funny. There's a ton of them in Boston that I think are funnier than some of the big names that you see now that are still just kind of Boston and New England headliners. And we're like, well, how do we get people to want to come see these people when they have no idea who they are? So Justin's like, what if we took like names, like local celebrities, and made them the host? So you take a guy who everyone in the area that we're trying to draw from knows that guy's name. He's not, not from comedy. So the, the challenging part about this was a host's job on a comedy show is if somebody, he, you know, he goes up first, kind of gets the crowd going, brings up the first act. After the first act's done, he goes back up again, either tells a joke or two and brings up the next guy, or if the crowd's kind of, if the guy kind of bombed the first guy, he gets the crowd back going yep. again. And his job is just keep the, you know, hype keep up the, the crowd, yeah. you know, and keep the momentum going and that sort of thing. And so that when the next comic comes up, the crowd's lively. So it's a risk when you have a guy who's a host that's not a comedian or has never done comedy before. It might be funny, like say on the radio, which is really, mm-hmm. really where we went. So you're taking a risk doing it that way. So my thinking was, well, what if we just booked, instead of booking, you know, new comics with a so-so middler and an awesome headliner, and then we'll have our host, let's just book a stacked show every time. We'll take guys that are almost headliners and book maybe two of those as features and then a headliner. You're front-loading. You might be putting a person kind of back from where they are on the scale of, but a lot of people, you pay them, they're going to take the, the work if they're yep. off. Yep. And that's kind of what we found is we would have people that would, you know, be first out of, of a three comic show with a host that really could headline. 
but they would take the gig because, okay, well, I'll pay you a good wage, probably more than you make at a lot of the other places, and I'll give it to you in cash the night you're there. It's not going to be a check in two weeks, or it's not going to be... Hey, you hope you get paid down the road. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, that's not a sustainable method, really, if you were going to get big and do this weekly or, yeah. or multiple per week. But we're, we're doing one a month to start and maybe a, a couple fundraisers a month. It was, an, it was easy for us to do. I mean, obviously, we had to get going and we had to kind of build a bankroll. But once we had made profit and had money in the bank and it was just, all right, we got to stop at the bank on the way to the venue and get cash out for each one. Each one and yep. it was nice and easy that way. It almost seems like a lot of comedians, if they have an open night and it's not too much of a pain to travel, like they'll do it. Yeah, they'll take the know. gig. They'd rather for them work it's just reps, yeah, and make exactly, something yeah. versus sit at home and watch, you know, yep. Matlock. And I mean, where where you were in Central Mass, like you have a New York comedy scene, you have a Boston comedy scene. Not, I don't know if there was a Worcester scene at all, but it was almost like, all right, maybe you can build a little bit of a, a bigger audience here that you may not have had the opportunity to. You know, these people wouldn't drive to Boston to see you or New York to see you, but. You know, yeah, there was, so you had the Boston scene, which was big, and it had been big since, you know, big in varying degrees of big, but since, you know, the 70s. And then New York was, you know, has always been big, and New York loves themselves, and they love their comics, and yep. all that stuff. So we we did, like you said, had two those two very big scenes, and we're right in the middle of that, like, you know, 45 to an hour from Boston, and maybe an hour and a half, two hours from New York. There's a small scene in Worcester. There was, you know, a home, couple of homegrown guys, Orlando Baxter out of Worcester, and he's he's awesome. So there was a scene there. There's a couple small clubs there. Dick Doherty, who had, like, a pretty famous one in Boston, had a second location in Worcester. So there was some going on. But as kind of things progressed, we so we took Justin's idea. And, you know, our very first show, we got Kevin Barbary, who at the time was, like, the funny guy on WAF's Hillman Morning yeah. Show. Yeah, man of a million voices and all that. And and Kevin actually, when we reached out to him, he actually was looking to try like a zombie stand-up comedian. So it was like a, you know, a dead guy who would go up on stage who dressed as a dead guy, obviously, and, you know, do jokes from that perspective. And it was, a, I loved the idea. Yeah. Plus putting like our idea, Justin's idea really of getting a guy, everybody knows his name, putting him on yeah. a show with a stacked lineup. Yep. That was the was one gonna, rock station, like hard rock station yeah. that was in Massachusetts. Was, yeah. you know, and he was the morning show, like you said, the morning show funny guy. Yeah. I so, remember back from 25, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. He was on there for probably 10 years. You know? He was on there for a long if time. If not longer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we the first show was with him, and then the headliner was a guy named Paul Nardizzi, who, again, he's local to New England, but he's as funny as some of the national acts you'd see now. It's just specific humor, I guess, to, you know, I don't know. I don't know why guys like that don't pop nationally. Maybe they don't want to. I don't know. So we did, you know, a couple shows. We did that one. The next one was with um, the headliner was a guy from Rhode Island, Ace Acido. And we had Steve Donovan, who was at the time the XLO morning show. was Jen and Steve in the morning, I think. He was already a stand-up comedian, so that was actually pretty easy. We had him host, and you know he was all for it. And the next show was a big one for us because we had. Uh, so, do you remember Phantom Gourmet from yep. Massachusetts? Yep. So that's like they're like this food critic type show where they would it's Phantom Gourmet. They would have someone go in supposedly eat at the restaurant. It would be like a secret shopper type thing, and then they would feature them, and then you know they do all this B roll and go in and. Honestly, I think it's just restaurants would pay them to be on it yeah. is really what it was. But that was at least how the show was portrayed. So one of the, there was the Andelman brothers and their father who kind of ran everything. And the the one that was most uh, I think outspoken is Dave Andelman, and he also like he's politically in tune and giving his opinion on things. And uh, Justin and I really liked him, and we were like, if we can get him. And I, and I don't beg people to do anything, but I, I kind of, I didn't beg him, but I stayed on him. Like, hey, let's have you, we, I want you to host a show. You'd be hilarious. You know, we gave him a great fee. And because he was, and we didn't know this, this was just shit luck. 
But the headliner that we picked for that show is a guy named Dave Russo, also hilarious. Like he was, uh, he was on some TV show with Wayne Newton to try to win Mr. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas. And I, th- I don't know if he won it or came in second or whatever it was, but he was headlining that, and Dave knew him. Okay. So Dave, just that fact was why Andelman was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Uh, just so I get a front row seat to watch this guy, you know, headline. And that's kind of how we had that. And then that show, we noticed after that, like we definitely ticked up in how many people were searching us, interacting with us. Having Dave Andelman was very valuable to us. And then a side piece that we weren't expecting is the show went so well and and, and Dave Russo liked our crowd so much that he told Mike Clark, brother of Lenny Clark, who Mike Clark books a lot of stuff. He's got the Giggles Comedy Club in Saugus, Mass. Uh, Dave talked to Mike and then also Lenny about, hey, these guys are in Central Mass. It's a nice little room. It's always packed, lively crowd, cash money. Yeah. So I think that caught the attention of a lot of people that in that circle. And then all of a sudden, people were reaching out to us. Because yeah, if you do it right. like Yeah. And so we, we had said, you know, Russo had told me a couple of days after, he goes, hey, I just want to let you know, I, I talked to Mike Clark, told him how awesome you guys' room was. And he said, you know, Lenny's interested. So we were like, if you can get Lenny Clark, yeah. like, absolute legend. What, yeah. what's the money? Like, yeah. let's get it done. Let's go. So we ended up working out a deal. And, you know, so we had Russo in like November. It was our third show ever. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but like, I think May of the next year, we had Lenny had had headline for the first time at Halligan's. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Once once Lenny Clark's headlining your room, everything's easy. Nice. Because yeah. you then have an email list of thousands of people that want to come to your shows, and you just email it out when you have a show, and usually they buy up most of the tickets, and you know. <laughs> nice. So that was uh, so you have Lenny, Lenny Clark come to Halligan's, right? Mm-hmm. Was it shortly after that that you started to go to larger venues? or We mostly stayed uh, Halligan's, and we did some, like, Pine Ridge Golf Course. Had a, a really nice room that was set up correctly. It was, like, perfect for comedy. It's a big, large, rectangular room. It had a nice area to put a stage in front of, like, an open spot for a window. It had a bar in the back of the room, his own, like... So the room was self-sustainable. You don't have to let anybody in out. And then outside of the room had a big restaurant. So people could come, eat dinner, and then stay for the show. You don't have to leave to go out to the bar. You have, a like, its own bar in the room. It was, like, perfect. Low ceilings. Uh, what's the word I want? Intimate. It was yeah. perfect. So we would use that when Halligan's wasn't available. Um, we didn't go to bigger rooms until we started doing Comedy Fest in 2014. Uh, me starting to live like a, a mini dream of mine of booking like big shows. Gotcha. Yeah. One cool thing, like even before we got to Lenny is, I don't know if you know who Nate Bergazzi is? I do now, yes. Yeah, so he's getting much bigger now. He's huge. Yeah. He's got a huge podcast, like sold out nationwide tours. He's doing arenas, yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> We booked him at the end, like it was our actually our fourth show. It was after the uh, Dave Russo, Dave Andelman, where we booked Nate Bergazzi. And I don't even know. No, I think we booked Kevin Barbary again as the host for that. But it wasn't as the zombie comic this time. It was just Kevin Barbary. Yeah. Um, actually, at that point, he had actually been, that's when him and AAF parted ways. Yeah. So he was at that point kind of starting to sub at XLO, which was a smaller radio station in Boston, uh, in Worcester. But we booked, uh, you know, we booked Nate Bergazzi, and then <laughs> still pisses me off to this day, but it was between Christmas and New Year's, and ticket sales were good. They hadn't, they wasn't sold out or anything like that, but, you know, for a 200-seat room, you know, we had, I don't know, 130 before the show, and then usually that probably would have sold out the night Some of. walk-ins, yeah. yeah. Problem is, we had about a foot of snow that Ooh. day. And it, like, started, the show was an 8 o'clock show. It started, like, 2 in the afternoon, and it was, like, 1 to 2 inches an hour. So it was one of those where it's like, oh, man. And Nate's plan, and, and what I'm kind of happy it worked out this way, is his plan was, you know, around 1, 2 o'clock, he was going to drive up from New York. 
so he was going to get up in our area around like five o'clock or so, you know, maybe have something to eat and then come over to the venue. Well, because it worked out that way and then the way the weather was working, normally in a situation like that, if you cancel a show, you probably should pay, even though the show doesn't happen. And that was a tough spot for Justin and I because we were like, you know, we've started a bankroll, but if we then pay these comics and no show happens, we're basically eliminating the money we've made. Yeah. Our bankroll yeah. will now be gone. And we're That's basically show, right? on a fourth show. We're basically starting over or we're putting ourselves out of business. So we were talking to Nate and we basically said, you know, I don't know really how this works. Like we're kind of new to this, but what do you want to do? Do you want to still take the chance and drive up here and do this? Or And he's like, I'll put it to you this way. He said, I know you guys are in a tough spot. I'm cool with like, I know you're concerned about paying me. I'm cool with you guys canceling the show so I don't have to drive to ba- to Boston or in, or Worcester in a snowstorm. And if I if you cancel the show, it's cool. Don't worry about it. If you want me to come up, I'm on my way. So he basically was like, I'm not gonna yep. not gonna take all your money and not have a show. Just you tell me what to do. So he was the ultimate professional. Yeah. <clears throat> I wish so, you, I wish you could do this in his voice because. <laughs> No. I would love to hear the Tennessee Nate Bargatze. I don't have that in me. Uh, he, he does sound like a, an awesome dude. And it, he, he's, I mean, I'm glad he's blown up. It sucks that yeah. you guys weren't able to, to have a show with him. But, I mean, he's he's huge now. And yeah. So we, we basically were like, all right, we're going to just re- – we rescheduled that show. Um, but Nate was going on a tour the next year or whatever the case was and – just wasn't able to, the dates didn't sync up. We gave him like two or three different ones and none of them worked. Yeah. Reed just rebooked it with somebody else. We had, we used the opener that he was going to come up with. So we picked another guy from New York who used to be from Boston named John Fish, who's also hilarious. And he's starting to get big in his own right now. But um, so we he came up with the opener that Nate was going to come up with. Um, one of the other comics on that show who actually became, you know, good friends with, and who's actually blown up a little bit in New England, actually gave gave me a lot of shit for canceling that show and not paying him. Oh, really? I was actually almost to the point where, like, dude, I'll just pay you. But he, he's, he kind of went off a little bit on me. And then, like, a week later, called me and apologized. He's like, I just want you to know. Like, that wasn't right. I understand what you guys did. I get it. Uh, but you don't understand. I had just like had my third parking ticket that week. I'm a struggling comic trying to make money and just, it was just the wrong time. And I kind of let, you know, took it out on you. I'm not going to say who it was, but (laughs) he was on that show with Nate and it was the first time we had ever booked him. And he was so mad that we canceled the show. Gotcha. (laughs) If you cancel the show at that point, you pay the comic. And I was honestly like, if he wasn't so rude, if he was just like, yeah, just so you know going forward, this is really what you should do. I would have probably just said, oh, my bad, here, we'll pay. Yep. But he, he he came off pretty nasty. You know, I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, fuck this guy. But then he ended up calling back and apologizing and saying all that. So And then we worked with him several more times after that. That's and, good. That's a good idea. Yeah. Actually, when he came down to Florida after we had moved here, we were talking about getting together and going bowling together. Yeah, I nice. didn't end up happening because he went to Fort Myers, but... <clears throat> it would have been uh, would have been fun, <laughs> but yeah. So we had that whole thing with Napier Gotzi, and that was kind of like the only like blemish where I'm like not. I was pissed that that happened. You know, we were in a tough spot. We you know, and then the snow kind of ruined you. But in New England, like the the comedy season is when it's not summer, and unfortunately, that means it's in winter. You got to deal with the unknown because I mean these things take what months to plan out, so you can't you yeah. can't predict the weather exactly. So that was the only tough spot. Um, you know, we had, you know, we booked John Fish was that year. Orlando Baxter was the first time in, you know, 2013. Um, we did, I think, a show a month, and then we got up to Lenny in May. And, you know, it just kind of took off from there. Working with Lenny Clark, man, it was like, that's a dream come true right there. Yeah, you and know? then um, I don't want to skip too far ahead if there's other things in the middle there, but um, when you moved down to Florida... You actually got Lenny to come down here. Yeah. So we saw a show down Manatee County or Manatee Performing Arts Center, whatever it was. And uh, yeah, it was cool to get a chance to meet Lenny Clark and nice little intimate venue. Was it 200 or so? Yeah. Uh, No, that room that was in the, uh, I forget what the room's called, but yeah, that's like 140. Yep. Small. 
we were supposed to be in the big room there, but they like two weeks before it basically told us we had to had to vacate Downside, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, there was a show that. Uh, no, they were setting up for some stage yeah, show where they needed to so they could rehearse. Oh, okay. Oh. So that well, I wasn't happy about that, but is what it is. The show went on. Yeah, you're all with the punches. But yeah, no, and then we got into Comedy Fest there. One cool thing that happened, um, you remember that show, Last Comic Standing? Well, Justin and I, we saw it coming, and we're like, you know, we could we could go see that, meet a lot of these comics, maybe find a couple other, you know, middle acts, feature acts that, you know, we could use. And and basically how that works is it was at Laugh Boston, and you, they, they basically give the comic three minutes. So he goes up, three minutes, Comes off stage. I think Tony V hosted it. It was just rapid fire. And you got to see, they basically had to bring their A game in yep. three minutes because you got TV executives that are going to pick you for a TV show or not based on that much work. So we went and we watched that and we found a couple of really good, really good feature acts. Um, How many comics do you think showed up in total? There had to be like yeah, 40. Okay. It was a lot. I'm trying to remember. Um, the name, <clears throat> there was one kid there who I like. Was that the first first season of that? No. Or a couple no, seasons it in? It was a few seasons in, yeah. What was his name? Dat, Dat Fan? Was he the first one? Uh, I don't remember. I, don't I think remember. that was him. We actually had one of the comics that we worked with, Alingon Mitra. I was from Worcester. Went to school with uh, a girl that went to school with Aaron. So went to school with Aaron. Okay. And he ended up being on Last Comic Standing... And he, so they did this thing where somebody gets eliminated, of, of all the people that get eliminated, they do a vote of a fan bring back. Mm-hmm. And Alingon won the bring back. The bring back and ended up getting to perform on the finale of the show. And then Alingon went on to win the Boston Comedy Festival. And in the coolest thing you can do, it's a $10,000 prize. Alingon split it with all the finalists. So he, Won, won the Boston Comedy Festival and then split the money with everybody, which is, like I said, that's just such a cool thing to do. Especially for a comic coming up that, you know, is struggling. You know, that that's their full-time job, so. So there was this comic named Steve McConey that we, we saw at that last Comic Standing audition, and he was hilarious. And he, used, he had this bit about who who ever created these chips and, Making picking onions and a and, and sour cream as, a, <laughs> as like flavors and just talking about the meat. You got like if you can ever see him, it's hilarious. It's and, crazy to think like there's probably been so many bits that comedians have done that there's just no record of those, right? Or you know? or there's there's such a small comic that nobody yeah. see, not enough people see yep. the bit, you know. And then all, all somebody can do, like like you just did, is tell like a, <laughs> a watered down version of like, hey, yeah. this was really funny. It was sour cream and onion, and yeah. everybody's like, okay, cool. Like, well, I'm not going to tell this joke. You're like, that's not nobody. No, no comic yeah. wants some guy on a podcast to yeah. tell their joke. Yeah. <laughs> those are just the you could tell based on those points that there's a funny portion. Yeah, we to we that. can give them royalties. <laughs> yeah, we we saw some other ones too that you know we ended up working with from that. So. That, that was beneficial. It was nice to just meet all these people that, you know, maybe we hadn't worked with, but we've, you know, hey, can you do a show this night? Oh, sorry, not available. Or they'll email us or just open the lines of communication with yeah, a lot all. of people that we'd never met before. So and if, you, and if you do it the right way, you know, the word gets out that you're not an asshole because I know that I, from what I've heard on all the podcasts and shows I listen to is like there's a lot of shady people out there that oh, – yeah. You know, they sometimes they'll do shows and not even expect to get paid just because, hey, just just is what it is the nature of the beast. You have what do they call it? Slippage, shrinkage, you know, like. Right. Just like, yeah, there, there's a lot of I, I know tons of comics that were misled. You know, I've heard that would be like a, a good podcast of just comics that got screwed in, in you know, bookings yep. where they were just were told one thing and. Or misled in, in how they get paid or what they needed to do or what their pay involved. And, you know, I, I don't know. Do we mention Bringer Shows the last episode mm-hmm. just as like a joke? Yeah. Well, that that's a true thing. And people thought, well, you know, well, I brought this many people, so this should be my pay. Yeah. It was like, well, no, you brought that many people. And, you know, that's based on, you know, half of the capacity. The other half is the venues. Yeah. So they think all, you know, then they only get paid half and... There's there's so much stuff. 
I mean, there's 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 head, uh, national headliners that actually bring people, and they'll be like, "Hey, yeah, count the seats for me," because sometimes uh, you know, the Ooh. club owner is going to be like, hey, "Yeah, half the seats weren't filled." And you're like, "No, I definitely saw eighty percent of them filled." And right. And then there's the whole, oh, I mean, we've talked about it before, but that Bill Burr show, we got free tickets to. Right. So that was actually the venue reaching out to their mailing list saying, hey, we're a little slow on these nights. Mm-hmm. Just come here and get a couple, you know, couple items, you know, two item minimum. And right. so crazy to think that was what he had to face 20 something years ago. But yeah, not anymore. Everybody has to start there, you know. And what's funny is usually and I'm not quite sure with with clubs that sell food. But I don't think comics get any kick out of that. I think they get a percentage of the door, you know, based on the attendance and, and the revenue generated. So usually they'll have like a guarantee, you know. So let's just say some comics will like have a ten thousand dollar minimum versus fifty percent or versus sixty percent or seventy five, whatever their agreement is, their contract is of the door, and that's usually after expenses. Yeah. So after like. The venue's paid for, and any stage and lighting and sound and all that shit's paid for. And then maybe, like, sometimes advertisement is is lumped in there. And then after that, after all those things are paid, so let's say that's on a $100,000 sellout, that's $10,000 of it. So then the other $90,000, you'll get a, you know, $10,000 versus 50% of the door, you know. So you might be able to make up to $50,000. In that scenario, or or forty five thousand in that scenario. So, <clears throat> and that's how we structured, you know, some other deals that we were able to to get later on, which are fucking cool. Yeah, no, that's that's one thing that um, you know, we've talked about kind of my time in Florida, and I, I definitely missed where you guys really hit your stride in Central Mass because I mean, you know me, I'd be at all those shows, but oh, you definitely you had some you had some great names. Uh, you know, roll through Central Mass, and yeah. I thought you know, you know names that we can all recognize. But uh, yeah, yeah we had, what like, were some of like those shows? Gilbert Gottfried, yeah, leg- know, legendary booking. <laughs> booking Gilbert was like we kind of did that. Like at first, we reached out like as a joke, like you know, we'll never get Gilbert. There's no. Did way you we... did you reach out to him or was it his? No, people? it's his agent. <laughs> okay. You got to reach out to his agent. And we were expecting like a household. Like everybody knows Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried, can you say his name? He passed away. <laughs> yeah. The late right, Gilbert Gottfried. You know, everybody knows him. So you think booking him would be expensive and, and out of reach. Well, Gilbert's not a, a man who... Gilbert, You can, like I've heard on podcasts where he, he takes, if he goes to a hotel, he takes all the soaps and shampoos yeah, and yeah, stuff right. he, home with him. He'll get to-go boxes from yeah. <laughs> comedy shows. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anything that he thinks he, he gets, he takes. He's, he's <laughs> so. But, you know, to get him was within reach, and we were surprised. Now, granted, we had to put kind of a run together. So um, there's a, a guy named Rob Steen who runs a whole comedy thing, which he's got, I don't even know, probably close to 100 venues. I don't even, just tons of venues that he books shows for. It's called Headliners Comedy Club. They're in New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Like, he's done shows down here. So, hey, we're trying to get Gilbert so we can meet his minimum. Do you want a couple nights? Mm -hmm. You'd be like, yeah, all right, just put it together. Let me know and tell me what the fee is, and I'll make sure I can make it work. And so we would work it out, and he'd have Gilbert for a couple nights. Gilbert would come down to us. We'd have a show with him, and he'd make a killing in a weekend. Yep. <clears throat> We'd get Gilbert on the relatively cheap. It's not, I mean, it's not cheap, but relatively cheap. Yeah, for a big name, yeah. For a big name. You just meeting his weekly minimum or weekend minimum. And even with Gilbert, actually, to be completely honest with you, Gilbert was just a, a fee per show. So he didn't wasn't excited about coming up to do one. So that's kind of why we're like, let's get Rob involved, because Rob will, would love to have him. Rob always mm-hmm. looking to book big names. <clears throat> and he was always awesome to work with. You know, he would... Whatever he needed to do on his end, he would do. Awesome guy, and he's a great comedian himself. Uh, yeah, we got to work with him twice, Gilbert Gottfried. And what's always funny about Gilbert is, I mean, you know Gilbert's comedy, I, yeah. but a, a lot of people don't. So they they come to the show thinking they're getting the Aflac Duck or Aladdin, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, or, or the, the, the bird from Aladdin. Yeah. And, and that's not Gilbert. That's not Gilbert. 
we we had uh, both shows, a couple walkouts, which are always fun. The the cooler thing is when you know you book a guy like that, you get to kind of just sit in the back room and chat. Yeah. Like he's sitting there. He and Gilbert wasn't a guy who the first time we booked him, he didn't come with anybody. He came by himself. Went to the hotel, checked in, came over to the venue and hung out. So we were just hanging out. It was really just kitchen and Halligans. Yeah, but exactly. The green room. <laughs> the green room. <laughs> and it's just hanging out, talking to Gilbert Godfrey. And, and he doesn't, like, his loud voice that he does on stage. Like, that's not it. That's, he is the soft-spoken, gentle, kind, loving human being. He was a great yeah. dude. Yeah, I don't think I've heard a bad story about Gilbert at all. He's just such a cool dude. Yeah. You know, and he would always just ask for... You know, a glass of red wine or a glass of water, depending on before or after the show. He would always, you know, hang around. He would take pictures with any fan that was wanted mm-hmm. to. He'd stay till they were all gone. He would always just wait, yeah, wait till the end and, and take pictures, sell his merch. And he had, um, he would wait, always. Wait, what, what sort of merch did he have? I he, had, know. he had a book and the title <laughs> of the book was Rubber Balls and Liquor. <laughs> okay. Do you own it? Are you BB? Yes, I do. Did okay. you like see a copy of it? Yeah, I would love to read it. <laughs> but he would have that. He would always sell that. I think he had a. I don't know if he had a DVD the first time or not. But he always had the book, Rubber Balls and Liquor. Nice. Uh, and there- then as soon as everybody would leave, he would just go back, sit down in the in the the green room, the you know Halligan's kitchen and. Yeah, like, do you mind me? Uh, can you get me a glass of red wine? Sure, of course. You know, we just hang out, talk. He uh, he would ask us like, "How'd you guys get started? How'd you guys get into mm-hmm. this?" You know, and uh, Justin has a funny story, and I, I wish he was on the podcast so he could tell it, but I will. He would. He drove him back, so Gilbert doesn't like to fly. He, I, I, I'm under the assumption that he does occasionally. When you go from New York to LA, I assume you fly. So Justin brought him back, and he actually was going to the bus station. To go from Worcester to New York back home. Wow. So Gilbert Gottfried on a bus, okay. Yeah, on a bus. You imagine him being your your bus seat mate. So, sounds like a reality show. <laughs> Can you survive? Yeah. So uh, so Justin drives him back, and when they're getting there, Gilbert starts talking to the guy, and the guy that I guess is like he's getting the ticket from him is like, oh, Gilbert Gottfried. And, and he's like, oh, from Aladdin, right? And and the other like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. So the guy points at Justin, he goes, so who are you? And Justin's just like, I'm Aladdin. <laughs> the guy starts laughing. Gilbert starts laughing. Uh, Can show you the world. <laughs> <laughs> we had Dave Coulier, you know, Joey Gladstone from Full House. Uncle Joey. Yeah. Um, we, we worked with him, I don't know if it was three night or four nights. And again, we worked with Rob from New Hampshire, Headliners Comedy Club. I think Rob had him two nights, and then we had him two nights. So we had a Friday night, one show, and two shows Saturday. So we had him for three shows. <clears throat> and that's how we kind of made that deal work. Yep. I got you, yeah. Because <laughs> he was by far the most expensive that we had booked, but spread out over five shows, it was palatable. And again, we to make him... To give him the option, we we gave him a minimum versus a percentage of the door, which obviously all three shows sold out in advance, mm-hmm. so yep. it was no problem whatsoever. <clears throat> yeah, working with Coulier was awesome. Getting getting to book that, and so the Friday, yeah, after the Friday show, so we had him like like I said a minute ago, one show Friday, two shows Saturday. After Friday night. He kind of like just after the show was over, just hung out. So he stayed at Halligan's. And where's he based? Is he a LA dude or is he, do you know? He you actually remember? lives in Montana. Okay. He was I, telling yeah. us about this like after, like the just hanging out after on Friday. Like he, he has a pilot's license. He flies helicopters. He's like a lot like Bill Burr with that stuff. Yeah. And I, I remember one of our friends, his name's Gino, was just hanging out there with us. And he's like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to get my pilot's license. And, you know, I just, I need more flying time. So I have to, you know, and it's too expensive. I remember Coulier is just like, it's just money, man. Like, you want to get your pilot's license, you got to you gotta do the flights, man. Don't worry about the money. It's like, yeah. that's expensive as fuck. And so I was like, does this guy understand, like, money? Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't get full house residuals yeah, or whatever right. they're called. Right, right. 
<clears throat> but yeah, he would cool. Yeah, it was just like it's just money, man. Don't worry about it. You just get your just get your hours in yeah. flying. And Gino's just like, oh, I don't know where the money comes from. <laughs> but but no, and if you know Halligan, so it has like the big room that we would do the comedy shows in, and then next to it's the actual bar where everybody has where they have the bar <laughs> with seats and they have dart boards and. So it's a pretty packed place. People, a lot of people hang out after the shows and they just go drink in the bar. And so Dave comes over and we, we kind of kind of like stake our ground around a table. And we got like 10 people with Dave sitting at a table in just the bar, regular yep. bar area, just hanging out, talking. <clears throat> you know, people would just kind of be like, walk in and be shocked that, is that, is that? <laughs> in in yeah. Auburn? It was hilarious. So then... The coolest thing I think that happened, besides bringing Lenny to Florida, the coolest thing that we did was Coulier says, I want to, you guys want to go out? And we're like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, we'll go out. Where do you want to go? And he's like, I, I want to see Worcester, but I want to go to like dive, a dive bar. He said, I want the diviest of dive bars. <laughs> I, all of Worcester. Okay, I want all, yeah. There's a lot of Just options. Throw a dart. <laughs> but he's like, I want to go off the beaten path. I don't want to go to the popular spots. He said, I want dive bar. So we're like, okay, all right, all right. So Justin's like, I know exactly where to go. So we're like, okay. Like, I didn't even ask where he was talking about. So we just leave. We get in um, part of, so when you book a comic, they come with a rider. And, you know, he wanted a, a specific driver and it, it requested a type of vehicle even. So Justin, his parents had a brand new Chevy Tahoe. Justin's friends had a brand new Chevy Tahoe. So we asked them to borrow their Chevy Tahoe. It was black, brand new. It was like a presidential escort vehicle, perfect mint condition. Justin even took it to the car wash, cleaned the inside, even though it was in probably perfect condition anyway. And we drove him around in that. So Justin actually went to the airport, picked him up in it. And then, you know, when we were driving around Worcester, this is what we were using. Justin was his driver, essentially. Mm Uh, so Justin takes us over to the, I think it's called the Vernon Hotel Bar. Yeah, Hotel Vernon, yeah. Hotel Vernon, whatever. <clears throat> so we go over there, and before we go in, Kuya is like, I want to play a game. We're like, okay, cool. What do we do? He's like, when I, he's like I'm just going to go in, stand around by the bar. He's like, I want you to to like go up to people and just be like, oh, my God, do you know who that is? That's John Stamos. <laughs> So really, oh yeah, that was awesome. So we went in and we did that to a few people, and I'm not even kidding. Within like two minutes, there's like 30 people standing yeah, around him. I got you. No, no, I'm just kidding. It's Bob Saget. <laughs> <laughs> what ended up being funny is one of uh, Megan's coworkers was there that night. So we, me and Justin, stroll in with Dave Coulier, and she recognizes me, but not Dave Coulier. <laughs> <laughs> This is hilarious. And then finally, she's like, are you here with Dave Coulier? <laughs> she knows, did she know his name? She or eventually figured, well, she, well, Uncle she goes, Joey. Oh, okay, that, yeah. that's got to be the worst, is to be so, so typecast that that's all they know. Yeah, and he's not even an uncle in the show. Yeah. It's just Joe. He's just not a creepy guy downstairs. He's, just, he's not Uncle Joey, <laughs> which is hilarious in and of itself. So yeah, we take him to Hotel Vernon and hang out with him. And so they're getting ready to close. Everything closes in Worcester at two. And the bars bar the bartender's telling us, yeah, we're getting ready to close. <clears throat> and Dave, like, we're sitting, it's like Justin's on one side of him, I'm on the other. And he turns to looks at both of us and says, Hey, do either of you guys have a hundred? He's like, I don't carry cash on me. Do either of you guys have a hundred? <laughs> didn't you just pay him? <laughs> <clears throat> well, no. Through, I'm joking, on I'm him, joking, we I'm didn't joking. do the cash deal I like we you. do. Yeah, you. That would be kind of too much cash to be. <laughs> so anyway, we hand him. I was like, I got one from you know they, all all the cash at the, from the show. You have to have money on you and all that stuff. So I was like, I got one. Here you go. So as like they're closing, the bartender's like telling everyone they got to go. We're closing, and the, and and Coulier puts it on the on the bar. In front of the bartender, and he's just like, "You want to hang out with us?" So the guy behind the bar is like, well, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, well, let most of these people go." Shuffle out, yeah. He said, "That's yours." He said, "Just shut off all. You know, we'll we'll just hang out, keep it dimly lit." Yep. So they closed it. Like probably six or eight people stayed and hung out with us. So the bartender starts. He's like, "All right." So after they, we it looks closed now. Doors locked and everything. And they take us and they give us a tour. Like downstairs is supposed to be haunted and all this mm-hmm. shit. 
That, didn't Babe Ruth go there? Is that one of the stories about the hotel burning? So. Like he yeah. that I don't know if that was during the speakeasy, like the prohibition stages where that sorry, that was a speakeasy or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah. Or he'd go there and play poker or something. I don't remember a lot of what the stories were because we've talked about my memories. Yep. <laughs> or how much I remember. But there was a lot going on, a lot of uh, like the whole tour of just the place and the stories behind it. The only part of that that sticks out in my brain is supposedly the the downstairs is haunted. Mm-hmm. And then we come back up and we end up just kind of hanging out at the bar of a almost dark but dimly lit, so it looks closed. Yep. <clears throat> Some kid off really cool. <laughs> I shouldn't even say that part of it. But. <laughs> <laughs> I got your hair. You know, it was just like, man, this is this is the coolest thing ever. So I think we dropped him off back at his hotel, like four, just hanging out with oh, yeah, random yeah. people, rando people. It's a story you're never going to forget. And no. One of the yeah. things that was just kind of like cool, but also like weird, but and he, he's, so he tells us like, you know, I wasn't, when I came here, I didn't know that this was like a, just a banquet hall. Like he thought it was a comedy club he was going to. So he's almost, it's almost like him telling us like, had I known it was this, I probably wouldn't have taken the yeah, gig. But he also told us, he said, you guys run a great show. He said, don't be upset that I'm going to make fun of it on stage. <laughs> but he basically told me, he's like, I'm gonna make fun of this. But he's like, you know, this is really cool. You guys do a, a really good job. Next time I come to town, let's book a book a theater. I was like, okay, fine. You got it. He said, let's do one show with five, six hundred seats instead of three. Yeah. Well, the rest of that with, with Dave Coulier. So we had the show Saturday. <clears throat> I'm not one who functions well on three, four hours sleep, and I didn't get to bed till five. So I think I slept maybe till nine. I don't know about Justin or Coulier, but I can tell you how fun Friday was and how, like, just so chill and let's go do this. It's going to be awesome. Saturday, I was exhausted. Justin was exhausted. And Coulier looked pretty exhausted. And he had two shows to do. Yeah. So <clears throat> after the first show, we – so you have to turn the room over, obviously. You had to clear out and then get the whole second audience in. So it was like, okay, we'll get 15 minutes for these people to get through, and then they got to leave. So Dave did sign, take pictures, all this, that, the other thing. So after the second show, cool, you could tell he's wiped. Me and mm-hmm. Justin are wiped. So we're hanging out in the kitchen just like we do with Gilbert. And Dave's like, let's just let's just hang out in here and kind of see how long it takes some people to start leaving. Because, <laughs> I mean, the poor guy, like, you know, yeah. he did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, stayed out real late Friday. Yeah. And here we are Saturday after two shows. He's I could tell he's exhausted. So he's kind of like, I don't want to be a dick, but let's just see if we can wait back here and make them think no one's coming back out. So he waited a little while, and a good chunk of people left. And then so he went out and then signed some stuff. And on Friday, he sold through all his merch. He had, like, the T-shirt with the, the, the what is the deer or, or moose? Or- I didn't realize he had something. All yeah. I thought he had was the like, moose. Cut Remember it with out. The, yeah, well, he had the moose oh. with the voice. So he had T-shirts oh, yes. with that on oh, it. God, I think really? he had, uh, yeah. He had some Sorry. goofy Sorry, stuff. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> what we did, too, is the Saturday show, the Saturday 7 p.m. show, we allowed pretty much all ages. It was supposed to be like 12 plus, but you could tell there were some people a little bit below that. So, and that was kind of the end of it. Um, Sunday morning, Justin drove me to the airport. There was no hangout Saturday. Everybody was exhausted. So, <clears throat> But that was such a cool experience. So, you know, Obviously, I'll never forget. I forget some of the yeah. stories at the Vernon, but I'll never forget hanging out with him. Yeah. The other thing, too, that's funny is the... WXLO, the big radio station in Worcester, was having their, I don't know if you remember, their awesome 80s prom where they would have music acts come and everybody would dress up in prom outfits, like 80s prom outfits. Sounds awful, but yeah, go on. (laughs) So we told Dave when he's like, I want to go out and kind of see Worcester. And we told him that was going on. And we were like, you'd be the biggest thing at it if we go there. And he's like, immediately was like, no, I want the diviest of dive bars you got. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet he'd be like, fuck, I wish they booked me for that. You know, because he probably would have got a lot more money for that. It was at like Mechanics yeah. Hall with like 4,000 people at it or something. Yeah. So <clears throat> nothing says 80s like Full House. So <laughs> well, 90s at least, but it started in the 80s, yeah, didn't it? I think it did, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was that. I mean, you could go on forever. I mean, we did the Comedy Fest shows. Nick DiPaolo was on one of those. Um, it was funny. The, the only kind of like real funny story about that. Other than just like the chill being like being in the back room of the Palladium in and of itself of where all these bands have hung out and things like that. 
is is just a cool experience. But doing that and having Lenny Clark, Nick DiPaolo, one year, another year, having Tony V, Lenny Clark, and, you know, John, uh, uh, not John Fish, um, uh, Jimmy Dunn, who was mm-hmm. on the McCarthy's on that sitcom on CBS, you know, just, you know, Don Gavin, <laughs> just the coolest, it's just hanging out with those guys and, you know, shooting the shit and in the Palladium, in the back room, just so cool. And, you know, after the, the first year, Nick DiPaolo's asking me, hey, how do you think it went? Do you think I did good? Like, Nick DiPaolo's asking me if I think his set went well. And I remember thinking, like, dude, you're awesome. They're here to see you. And I remember him laughing, like, Lenny Clark and Steve Sweeney are on the show. They're not here to see me. Like, he, wow. he totally just was like, those guys are the fucking kings. I took this gig to hang out with them. Yeah. Like, keep me. Oh, but he was, I mean, he, he had some like uh, jokes about like bleaching your anus. Like, it was pretty, pretty, not, pretty not blue. The planet. Pretty blue <laughs> yeah. after a pretty, you know, home run show. Yeah. He comes on and he's like blue. blue. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but that's kind of why I think the crowd at that point was like, whoa. Where'd this come from? So it wasn't like, I don't think he got the reaction he was expecting. But Yeah, it's actually funny you mentioned, um, you, you're talking about Lenny Clark. So, you know, listening to the the, the radio station I listened to, um, one of the podcasts is The Bonfire, and they had Bobby Kelly on. Yes. And it was a replay of probably an early November show this past year, 2022. And um, he had mentioned Comics Come Home, and he was talking about some of the guys on there in – you know, he mentions Lenny and just the legend of Lenny Clark, which, you know what I mean? To hear to hear a, a, one of my favorite comedians, Bobby Kelly, mention Lenny Clark in that. And you guys are, you know, it's almost like you have him on your phone. Like, just you can, you can give Lenny a call up and see how he's doing, maybe try to get him down here. So, you know, it's cool to see the – and like you mentioned about Nick DiPaolo saying that about Steve Sweeney. And just, so yeah. it, it's good to see comics when they come up, they really – they embraced the people that were nice to them, that helped them out, that they looked up to, and you know who knows, maybe they featured for, open for, oh, yeah. that treated them well, and you know so, they, and they, you know, it's cool to see, even though, like you said, DePaulo was probably way higher than Steve Sweeney was at that time, but he still looked up to Steve Sweeney as a as a legend. Yeah, the the um, cool thing about like that whole group of Lenny Sweeney, Tony V, Don Gavin, Kenny Rogerson. All those guys, you know, when the next generation, they talk about themselves in generations. I came up with that generation, that generation. They always would bring up the next one. They weren't, like, putting them down. You know, like, occasionally you'd have an outside guy who didn't come up through the Boston scene that would come into Boston, <clears throat> do really well here, and then make it big and disappear. They didn't like those mm-hmm. guys so much. But they would always help groom that next generation. Yeah. And that's why there are so many good comics that come out of Boston is because you have like these elder statesman mentors that just bring up the funniest guys and they don't let them fuck off. They don't let them like they get the most out of them. It's almost like you have the five of the world's greatest coaches coaching you. Like it's, it's such a cool scene. And those guys just for whatever reason, never left. Even Wright still lives in in, (laughs) Massachusetts. What um what you you let me borrow a DVD that I watched, um but it was was it the Ding Ho? <laughs> like, yeah, just was, so of that was called was that When Stand Up Stood Out. Yes, okay. and it was all about that scene with all those guys and Leary, Dennis Leary, and just how that scene started, what they were into. It just and, sounded insane. <laughs> like, and all those guys are still there with the couple of except like Leary. They're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. You know, I still like I'm I'm Facebook friends with Lenny, and you see some of the stuff he's been through, like a stroke, and you know he had uh, I think like a lung infection several years back, yeah. and like he thought he was going to die multiple times, and he's been brought back to life. That guy's got like a hundred lives, and <laughs> and thank God because I mean those guys are, you know, those guys are legends. So yep. that's a cool scene to get into, and um, I'm. Glad you moved down here. It sucks yeah. that you had a lot of a lot of good things going up in Massachusetts, but um, you know, hopefully you can get them rolling down here. I know every once in a while you you get the you get the itch. I get the itch, but man, it's just so it's. We've it's talked about it before. Start from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure. I, that's I know you're trying, happen. but yeah. 
Yep. I know you've you've attempted to get off the you know, yeah. but um you know regardless regardless we have a uh, you know a good club down here. There's a lot of good comedians that flow through. Uh, last year was it was a pretty murder murderer's row of Ooh. comedians that were coming through. And I my problem is I probably only look at side splitters. I don't look at some of the other venues around here. But yeah, Bobby Kelly's coming down in March. So there's two uh, side two splitters. There, yeah. There's I think there's three. <clears throat> Yeah, the one's Wesley, a small room, yeah. Yeah, Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, and then the main one in Tampa. One of the so. rooms we were looking at doing shows at down here was, was very interested. I have two big problems with the room. One, it's directly between the two big side splitters. So it, it's a 15-minute drive in either direction to the, to the side splitters. So that's got to be by here. It's New World. Oh, okay. Justin plays, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he plays in bands there. Yep. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't be saying this, but the other problem that I had is when I was meeting with them, they were basically like, yeah, we have a guy who does comedy here, and we're planning to eventually do comedy here on our own. But if you guys want to do it until we're ready to do it by ourselves. Yeah, pretty much be the stepping. So we're going to go in there, get all this momentum going for them, and then they're going to tell us to get out yeah. of there. Uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't really like that. That's not kind of, I mean, the, no. just the fact that they would say that was just like. At least they're honest. I mean, yeah, <laughs> at least they're like, yeah, than... you can come do it for a little while, but we plan on doing it ourselves. So yeah, I'm not going to go get the ball rolling from somebody else and then have them just pull the carpet out from under me. So, oh, well. I got you. That was a good thought. But anyway, I think well, we've talked enough today, man. Yeah, this was the mainly comedy podcast well no we may keep well we'll probably keep in the, the larry goes country a little bit mm-hmm. yeah, we'll <laughs> but, keep yeah i can't wait till larry shows up in a cowboy hat cowboy boots and <laughs> you know starts doing tobacco spittoon we're a long way from that uh, i don't think we're that far along let's get the hell out of here <laughs> the latest